Sometimes we know things, but they kind of get stuck back in the clutter of our minds with all that's going on in our lives every day and through the rush of the season. Something popped up on my timeline late last night that made me smile. You see, it was, uh, it was a picture of our church sign. At the time, it was your church sign. And six years ago today, of course, officially tomorrow, January 1st, I was a bundle of nerves and excitement that was hard to contain as I stood for the first time as your pastor six years ago. And over six years, we've seen a lot of change, haven't we? Matt, I'm with you on trying to transition from Christmas to New Year, and I thought about it and prayed about it, and I thought about it even more as I saw that sign, and uh, on the sign, it welcomed us by name, Matt and Becky, and they spelled Emily right. And Ethan, that's all on Becky because she wouldn't put a Y. She had to do it the other way. That makes her original. They were in sixth and eighth grade when we moved here. And now senior and sophomore in college, we, over the six years, we've seen many come and many go. I've officiated many a funeral. And I've been blessed to go and visit the birth of newborn babies. We've seen new Sunday school classes birthed. And we've seen the baptismal waters and sometimes on the spur of the moment filled. As we've seen many who have come to Christ profess it publicly through believers' baptism. I don't know. It would be interesting to see. I know if we meet our goal this year... It will be somewhere around $60,000 that Eastside has been blessed to give just to Lottie Moon in the last three years. We paid off over a half a million dollars worth of debt. Uh, and besides the bus payment, which is pretty much going to be taken care of pretty quickly, we're out of debt. And so we look toward the future. When I was a child, I would go to bed on Christmas night almost depressed. Any of you ever do that? Christmas was so, I mean, we got up so much. I mean, I talked about getting up in the morning, all the presents and all that stuff. We'd go to grandparents, and I had one set of grandparents live right next door, and they would be there when we got up, and then they would leave and drive to see their other grandchildren in Alabama. And then my other set of grandparents lived half a mile. And we would go spend most of the day there with 40, 11 cousins and aunts and uncles and nephews and all that kind of jazz. And so it was just hyped up from the get-go and made it so big. But when I'd go to bed at night, it was like, well, it's over. It's over. Tomorrow is the 26th. And we didn't string things out. We didn't get presents on Christmas Eve. We didn't get them a week before. Mama, Mama could wait. Mama, you know, Becky's mama couldn't wait. She she wanted to give it all before it was even Christmas. She, I can't wait. Open it now, you know. Ours, 
Ours was on Christmas, and it, so everything we got, we wasn't a whole lot sometimes, but it was on Christmas. So we knew come December 26th, it was time to clean it all up, box it all up. It didn't, Christmas tree didn't stay up for a week. Box it up, put it up, and everything was back to normal. Sometimes in our lives we get like that. We get way up for things, and then we go back to normal. How do we go from celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ to it's the end of the year? For some, it's not been a real happy year. For some, we may have had losses, what family, financial, all kinds of issues. But Lord's willing, if God permits, though cold, the sun, which officially doesn't rise, but the earth will rotate and the sun will shine again on 2018, tomorrow. What lies before us? I happened to flip channels and saw the movie Castaway was on and I sat and watched it. I had to watch it. And that end scene where he's standing at the intersections of the road, I've been there. I knew I'd saw it. And so being the nerd I am, I, I Googled it. I looked at the numbers on there and I mean, I went to it, and it was right close to where I used to hunt in Texas. And he's standing at these intersections that are literally in the middle of nowhere. Nowhere. And he looks around on the map, and he smiles, and the movie ends. We don't have any clue. I have an idea which direction he went, but we don't know. We stand at such an intersection today, but where will we go and how will we go and with what mindset and where will our heart be? Will it be the ups and downs of, oh, we had, we had wee ones Christmas, we had children's Christmas, we had adult Christmas, we had all that kind of stuff, and we had our Christmas Eve service, and it was phenomenal. Our candlelight service was off the chain the other night. Man, it was so spiritual and so wonderful, and we had our Christmas Monday with our families and now it's just December 31st, and now it's another year. And This morning I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1. And to follow along with what Matt said in picking out the song for today, and trying to bridge that, that change, that gap between Christmas and New Year's, and preparing a lot of people's talking about what they're going to do and what they're not going to eat and all that kind of stuff. I want to express to you today, that whether it's Christmas or New Year's Eve or February 7th or October 3rd or any other day of the year, everything begins and ends with Jesus. Everything begins and ends with Jesus. The writer of Hebrews stated, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past to the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. 
who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. I want to very quickly just scan through time and look at the fact of, if we grasp this today, listen, revival could break out in our homes, revival can break out in our church, in our land, if we would realize whether it's in politics, whether it's in education, whether it's in church, whether it's in our personal life, whatever it is, if we get our heart to understand with our head that everything begins and ends with Jesus, we can see a year like we've never seen before. Wouldn't you like to see that? We, I've said this now every year. When we come to this time of the year, this could be the greatest year. Can we look back at 2017 and say this is the best year we've ever had? I don't think we can. Financially, we're in good shape. But we could, we could see more. We could see more in Sunday school. We could see more in worship. We could see more coming to Christ. But it takes everyone understanding. In my life, when I witness, when I live, when I play ball, when I go to school, when I do the things that I do, everything, everything begins and ends with Jesus. He starts by telling us God who at sundry times and in diverse Manners or ways spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. First of all, we notice throughout time that Jesus being the very epitome and the very person of God shows us that he has a love to share. He has a love to share. In the beginning, God. And God created the heavens and the earth. And throughout time, and he tells us who in all different times and in all different ways spake unto the uh, fathers through the prophets. And in the last days through his son. You see, Jesus has a love to share. A love to share. He tells us this. And tells of his love in so many ways. First of all, he tells us of his love with his wonders. This is nature. The very natural inspiration of God speaking the worlds into existence tells us he loves us. He tells us. I don't know about you. I'm an outdoorsman. I've always enjoyed the outdoor. Even when I was a kid, too young to hunt and all that, I played outside. Now, you put three boys in a 900-square-foot house, uh, it's not pleasant very long. So we kind of got forced out there. But it's amazing what we could do on that little bitty spot that we live. And we would have the biggest times. I can remember once we got old enough to have a BB gun, me and my buddies, my brother, we would go out behind my elementary school. There was a patch of woods. Back then, I think it was about 3,000 acres. Actually, I think it was about 12. 
And there was an old pond that had been, actually two ponds that had been abandoned. And we would go out there on a Saturday and we would spend all day on safari. Oh, the big game hunts we had. Those little patches of woods. And the huts and the forts. Anybody ever build a hut? Anybody ever build a fort? If you haven't, you have lived a deprived life. I mean deprived. If it's never been this cold and so miserable and raining, you couldn't build one outside. And so you built one out of every sheet you could find and chair in your living room. You're living a deprived life. You've never done that. And if you're so uptight, you won't let your kids mess your house up. Listen, you need an intervention. Because there's one day you're going to look and that living room's going to be all spotless and clean and you're going to wish they were there. Huh? He declared through the oak trees his love for us. He declared through the waters. He still hangs a rainbow in the clouds. Say, I love you enough. I'm not going to destroy the earth with water again. Even when he did, he provided an ark. Out of what? Wood. Do you not understand that when God spoke the world into existence, he knew, he knew that first tree would be the ancestor to the trees cut down to build the ark. Now, does that do anything for you? Because it tells us in nature that with his wonders, we talk about the seven wonders of the world. I think there's many more than that. I love Georgia. I love Georgia. I was reading through on that, that timeline post of the church sign. Welcome, Brady's, blah, blah, blah. My middle brother, Art, commented on it. He said, thank God you're going to be back on God's time and you won't be an hour late for the rapture. Because we lived in Alabama. I love Georgia. I've hunted all over and trout fished the mountains of Georgia. Man, we used to sneak off on the weekend, me and the boys, and we'd go to Cooper's Creek and Rock Creek. And, man, we'd get right below the hatchery. We figured out where the hatchery was, and they'd pour them out. We'd fish below the hatchery. I fished lakes from Carter's Lake to... Jackson Lake, Sinclair, Lanier, Oconee, Altoona. I fished all over the state of Georgia. I've gone down the creeks of Georgia and hunted from Paulding County to Greene County to Putnam County to Harris County to Evans County. All over the state of Georgia, I've had the blessing to hunt and fish, play golf. golf listen, y'all can say what you want about chasing that little white ball. Golf courses are some of the most beautiful places on earth. And to see the nature and see the animals. And you know what? I've gotten to a point I don't have to kill everything I see. I can just enjoy looking at them. Still fun to kill them. Even more fun to eat them. But what I'm trying to tell you today is just look around. Take a deep breath. Get off the interstate with a hog wire and two strands of bob wire. And ride through a small town. We were riding, when Ryan and I went to the Georgia Baptist Convention, we were going the back way because we went up 
through, uh, went up to Cleveland and went out, got to see uh, Tegan, got to see Dalton and Emily and uh, went up there before we dropped back down to Lawrenceville to the Georgia Baptist Convention. And we're riding up and somewhere around Louisville, uh, before you get to Wrens, uh, in that area above Wadley, I just happened to glance over to my left. There's this dry lake, dry pond bed, completely dry, but you can tell. And I kept looking at a distance and I said, those have got, those are birds. What, what is that? I couldn't make it out, and I'm not used to seeing it, so I was like, what is that? Uh, they look like buzzers. They're these huge, and the closer and closer and closer I got, and finally I looked, and it was two bald eagles on the ground, standing side by side. Absolutely phenomenal to see that. Ray and I, the first year I was here, had one dip down, and we almost hit right here on 301. I saw one fly over here, just the beauty you say, what has all that got to do anything? Listen, God could have made it any way he wanted. But he made it a wonder for us. We see his love in that. But listen, it's, it's fixing to get real good now. He tells us of his love but with not only the natural revelation so that men are without excuse. But he also tells us of his love with and through his word. His love is revealed. He said, in those days, he told the fathers through the prophets, but now through the son, I want you to, want you to realize something. In the most famous verse of all the Bible, for God so loved the world, for God so loved the world, a love to share. God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son, that whosoever Believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, he tells us of his love with his word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. Not only do we see it in the word, but it is the living word. This is the very presence of his son, which is God. That's why, listen, my parents were very, very Adamant about this. You didn't throw a Bible around. Nothing sat on the Bible. This is the very revelation and inspiration of God. What about this year? Reading it more. Reading Jesus. Jesus, what have you got to tell me this year? If you've never read your Bible from Genesis 1-1 to the maps... I want to give you what motivated me to do it the first time I did it. There may be a verse somewhere in Obadiah or Zedekiah. There may be a, a verse in Ezra or Esther. There may be a verse in 2 Samuel, 2 Chronicles, or 2 Corinthians. There may be a verse in 1 Peter or 2 Timothy or 3 John that will become your life verse that you've never read. You've never read because you've never read it through. God's word is alive and speaks to us. It is the very love of God. God, listen, God doesn't just love. It is, it is not just a description, it's the very attribute of who God is. 
God can't do anything without love being interjected in it because he is love. He's love revealed and he revealed it through his word. Christmas. God's son came revealing. He said in these last days his son has come. It's a love to share. But if everything begins and ends with Jesus, it's not just Christmas. It's not just eternity past. It's not just Old Covenant, Old Testament, stuff that we have a hard time reading and studying and wanting to be interested in. Oh boy, don't we love it when our Sunday school literature says we're going to be in Leviticus the next three months. That's like life in the electric chair. Like, oh no. But you understand I've said it before. You can't have Hebrews if you don't have Leviticus. You say, but we're going to study Ezekiel. I'm with you. I, it, that's the hardest one for me. I'm just going to be real honest. Because it's not just about end times such as the rapture or tribulation. It's speaking of the nation of Israel and God redeeming it and reestablishing it. And Ezekiel blows my mind. But without Daniel and Ezekiel, you can't really have revelation. It's the whole package. And we see that his love to share is encapsulated in Jesus Christ in the manger and going forward at Calvary, you see not only a love to share, but it's very evident in his cross to bear. It's a cross no one else could bear. He tells us that we are to offer ourselves as believers a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. And how is that? That's almost like saying you must be born again. Nicodemus is like, how can, I be, how can I enter into my mother's womb again? Well, how can I be crucified and still live? Well, I'm glad you asked. We see it in the perfect plan of our Heavenly Father. It was a perfect plan for His Son that we see expressed through John 3. He tells us in verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. They didn't fully comprehend that, did they? Right up until the bitter end when all the disciples cut and run, they still didn't get it. They didn't get it. Jesus said, I must be lifted up. When he told them, tear this temple down, what did they think? They thought he was talking about the Temple built with stones and with gold and wood. And he spoke of his death. But he didn't say you're just going to tear it down. He said, but I'll raise it again. You see, it was a cross to bear that only he could bear. And it was a perfect plan. God in heaven with his son and the very person of God left heaven, came to earth through what has never happened before nor happened again, a virgin birth. 
virgin birth. Don't ever, ever, listen, if they can tear down the virgin birth, then they've destroyed the doctrine of Christianity. It, listen, everything rises and falls on that virgin birth as far as the life of Jesus Christ being a perfect sacrifice. You understand that, right? Mary was not born without original sin. Mary needed Jesus as much as you and I do. But Mary, being very virtuous and still a virgin, was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit of God. And in God's perfect plan, he told Joseph, don't panic. Don't put her away. Don't even think about stoning her to death. I have done this, Joseph. She has not betrayed you. She has not cheated on you. Quite the contrary. She has been chosen above all other women to give birth to a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's a perfect plan. Have you ever had the perfect plan for a day or a week? And then you got up. And it got jacked up pretty quick. You know, your perfect plan and you've got it down. You, get, you even wrote it in your day timer. You blocked it off every 15 minutes. People, Shannon, the thing with going on a mission trip that people don't get is what I always try to teach them when we go through any kind of orientation to go out, out of the states is number one word, flexible. Things don't run like they run here. In most places, especially in places like Jamaica and Haiti and some other places, take your watch off and throw it away. Just throw it away. They'll get there when they get there. Everybody doesn't own a vehicle. I mean, whether it's a rickshaw or a tap-tap or two feet, if they're coming, they're coming, and they'll get there when they can get there. So take a deep breath. I remember the first service we had in Jamaica. It was, we were supposed to start at like 7 o'clock, something like that, at night. And so about 7.15, they started singing. And the pastor grabs me. He said, hey, come here. So I went with him. We went outside the church. And he had brought me. He had heard that I love jerk pork. And so he had brought me a whole thing of jerk pork and white bread. And so he said, here, I said, well, we've got, he said, oh, no, we'll, you know, it's all good, man. It's all good. Everything good. No problem, man. No problem. Eat, eat, eat your food. And so after about 40 minutes, we're sitting out there, and they're in there. I can hear me. Becky was in a panic. She's like, where's my husband? What they done with him? They've hijacked my husband. I'm eating, out there eating jerk pork. I'm like, hallelujah. Thank God that all things are good and common before the Lord. About 8.15, church started. How many of us could take that? <laughs> it always strikes me odd how all, we, we love to start on Turner time, but we want to get done. You'll get that a little bit later. You see, it was a perfect plan. Virgin born, sinless life, and a sacrificial death. In God's time, not ours. In God's time. You remember what they, why they got so upset and why still to this day Jews reject him? They thought he was coming to set them free from an earthly government. 
And that wasn't who he was. Not at that time. He came to set them free from the wages of sin. Now, oh, no, no. We want to be out from under the Roman thumb. And so we reject you. We don't want a suffering Savior. We want a reigning Messiah. One day they're going to see one who comes in and he's going to rule for a little while until about three and a half years later they're going to realize they waited for the wrong one. It was a perfect plan because Jesus knew from the foundations of the world he came. Remember what he told his mother? He didn't call her mother. He called her woman when she tried to get him to do a trick. It was at the marriage supper. He said, hey, Jesus... Show them. Show them who's boss. Show them what you can do. He said, woman, it's not my time yet. It's not time. You remember one time they tried to kill him and he slipped out of their midst? There were times they tried to get him. They tried to trick him. They tried to force him. Even hanging on the cross, Satan's last ditch attempt was to get him off. Because I'm going to tell you what. Satan smiled, he grinned with the greatest pleasure he had ever known as they struck the nails into the hands and feet of Jesus and thrust that crown of thorns upon his head. Oh, I have done it! I have conquered Jesus! Until they raised him up. And as that cross took its place between those two thieves, no doubt as that darkness began to sink over the earth, it sank into Satan's psyche. And Satan began to remember the words of the prophets. He began to remember what Isaiah had said. He began to remember Second uh, Psalm 2. He began to remember what was said to him personally in the garden. He thought, oh no, I played right into his plan. Oh no, what have I done? And so he tempted through the thief and through soldiers. said, if you be the Son of God, save yourself. But Jesus was fulfilling the perfect plan, not only in a virgin birth and a sinless life, but a sacrificial death. Boy, doesn't that play right together, a love that he shares through the cross that he bore for us? Just as he knew when he created the tree that would be the ancestor to the wood used on the ark, as a picture of his salvation, he knew that first tree that would be the ancestor of the one that he would die on. Think about that. Think about that. The tree that he, as God, created would give forth the seed that one day would raise up a sapling and into a larger tree to be hewn down and the Son of God nailed to. Why? For you and me. Everything begins and ends with Jesus. It's a love to share that he came and show us. It's a cross to bear. Here's the great news. He's not still on the cross. 
Amen? He's not still on the cross. They took him down, lowered him down, wrapped him up, put him in a tomb. Reminds me of the little kid's song, you know, wrap it up, mark it with a B. Stuck him in the cave. Emily saying, stuck him in the oven for a baby and me. That's exactly what happened. Put into the ground, into a borrowed tomb. Say, hey, I need this tomb. I ain't going to have it long, so I'm not going to pay for it. And early on the first day of the week. Why seek you the living among the dead? For he is not here, but is risen. Church, Christmas, as far as December 25th may be over, but everything because of an empty tomb. At a used cross, everything begins and ends with Jesus. A throne to care. He said back in Hebrews, where we read before, in verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, what did he do? He sat down. Where did he sit down? On the right hand of the majesty on high. Does that mean his work is done? It means the plan of salvation was completed, but his work is still going on. He tells us in 1 Timothy, listen to this, this is good stuff right here now. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ. It's a throne to care. God's Son sits on the throne at the right hand of the Father for you and me. Romans 8 tells us that. 1 Timothy tells us that. He is our mediator. What's a mediator? A go-between. One who goes between. Listen, do you understand that without him, you can't go to God? People all the time, you share the love of God, you share with them, you say, hey, are you saved or whatever? I believe in God. Well, so does Satan and his angels. But that don't mean that they're going to heaven. Well, I go to church, I believe in God. That's not the point. And listen, if you're sharing the love of Christ, don't let the conversation end there. Doesn't matter if they go to church. Doesn't matter if they believe in God. You've got to point blank them and you've got to say yes. But do you believe that his son, Jesus Christ, died for your sins and without him you are doomed to hell? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Have you confessed your sins? You can't leave because, listen, he is our go-between. And I've said it before and I will continue to say it. If we can be good, if we can be a church member, if we can give enough, if we go enough, get to heaven, then why did Jesus have to die? But based on the cross to bear, he has a throne that he shows us he still cares. Jesus didn't run off and say, hey, it's all on you now. No, it's still him. You don't get saved because of you. It's because of him. We approach the throne of God boldly through him. Why do you pray in Jesus' name? 
Kids, do you do it just because you hear your parents do it? Can I tell you why you do it? And I'm sure your parents have told you. You pray in Jesus' name because you can't just pray to God without the Son. You've got to go through Jesus to get to the Father. Now, once you're saved, He is your Heavenly Father. But it's still through Jesus that we approach His throne. It's not just His mediation. It's His intercession. He's our, it means not only in mediation to go between, but intercession is to go for. In that, what I mentioned in Romans 8, He is our interceder. Uh, He intercedes for us. Uh, He's our intercessor. Do you understand? That literally means when you can't do it yourself. You can't do it. This man, Romans 8, 26, you said, preacher, you need to slow down. Listen, if anything excites me, it's the fact that when I am at my lowest, the Holy Spirit groans for me and through my Savior, Jesus Christ, because everything begins and ends with him, he takes What I need before the Father, when I can't say a word, when I don't even know how to pray. I'm going to tell you now, I've laid on my face before God, and all I can do is say, God, I need you. I don't even know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. Do do you heal this, or do you not? Do, Do you give, or do you not? I don't know, God. I don't know what to do. I don't know. God says, that's all right, I got it, because I do. Because I have the perfect plan, and because I'm God, and because I've told you I have a love to share, and through my son across the bear, I'm telling you, I'm sitting on a throne because I care. That's why we ought to be people of prayer, because he's there. And I sound like Dr. Seuss. It is true. Man, if we would pray because the Lord loves us, I can't urge you enough. Listen, whether you're in Bangladesh or whether you're in Claxton or whether you're on a plane or in a car, no matter where you go, Jesus loves you and he will hear you. I lived in this little cocoon growing up called Powder Springs, just like Claxton. Small Georgia town. Where everybody knew everybody. The first time I really got on a plane and went somewhere, 21 years old, I was in Bible college and they said, we're going to Israel. I said, I'm going. I was all about going. So I saved up the money, got the money, went on the trip. I got on an airplane with a bunch of people that I just kind of knew to go to a place that I only heard of. And I got on a big airplane at Atlanta Airport and flew to New York. When I got off the airplane in New York, I thought I was already in Israel. Because there was every kind of person you could ever see in Kennedy Airport in New York. But we just got started. And we flew from Kennedy to Vienna, Austria. And when you land on a snow-covered runway in Austria... And there's Russian MiG fighters sitting on the runway. You know you're not in Powder Springs anymore. They had just blown up the airport and killed 17 people in a terrorist attack two months prior to that. And so they wouldn't even let us uh, disembark the plane. They brought everything out there, did everything. 
as we sat there for hours before we took off, from seven below zero, Vienna, Austria landed in 80 degree Amman, Jordan. And then took a bus across the Allenby Bridge into Israel. One morning, believe it or not, and this is when I was young, about 4.30 or 5 o'clock, I said, I'm going to watch the sun rise over the Sea of Galilee. And I got up by myself, and I grabbed my camera, and I went and I sat right at the mouth of the Valley of the Dove as it feeds in right there in Tiberias. And I sat on the banks of the Sea of Galilee, and I watched the sun come up over the Golan Heights. And I began to pray, and I prayed as the sun was coming up. And at first, I'm going to be real frank and honest with you, I felt silly. I said, well, I'm not at home. I'm not at Corner Baptist Church. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not in the United States. Why am I? And God says, really? I'm bigger than your town. I'm bigger than your state. I'm bigger than your country. I'm bigger than the place my son walked. I'm God. And my, my prayer life grew exponentially that day. God is bigger than your location. God is bigger than your problems because of his throne of care. But I want you to know this is not all there is. I don't know, and I'm not even going to presuppose because I can't stand when people start talking about trying to name names and time give time. I don't know this, but I do know one thing. This could be the year Jesus comes back. Matter of fact, I believe he could come back before 2018. What if he did? What if today was the last day you've got? Is your life right? Or is that thing you said you've been needing to do for a while still undone? I'm going to get close with God. I'm going to give. I'm going to come. I'm going to do. I'm going to serve. What if it's today? What if it's 2018? The truth is, there's going to be a time where somebody says, what if? And it's going to be that day. It's going to be that year. Not because they guessed it, but because the time is coming. Because you see, he said in John 3, 13, he said, no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Not only did he come to show us a love to share, not only did he come for that cross to bear, not only do we understand the truth that he sits on a throne where he displays his care, but he has a crown to wear. Hebrews chapter 2. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. And you crowned him with glory and honor. And did set him over the works of your hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus. 
who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man crowned to wear from grief a crown of thorns to glory, from hanging on a cross mocked as a king to a crown of gold where everyone else's crowns be thrown at his feet. As the angels sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Church, everything begins. Everything exists. And everything will end with Jesus. He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. 2017, may it end in the fullness of Jesus in our life. And may we wake up tomorrow with the breath of freshness that 2018 will be dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ in everything Jesus. Paul said, whether I'm with the Jews or with the Gentiles, Lord, make me all things to all men that by all means I might save some. Lord, in all things Jesus. As they come to the instruments, I want to read one last verse to you. Hebrews 12. Wherefore, based on everything I said at the start, what we talked about, things that we've saw and experienced in 2017, in our lives, seeing we also are compassed about, we're surrounded with so great a cloud of witness. The Ramses be able to quote to you who Adoniram Judson was. They could tell you who William Carey was and Wycliffe and many others. Of such those first, that first missionary there in India, seven years before the first convert. The anniversary of that believer's baptism was this past week. Seven years before the first convert. Listen, Jesus is still real to do that today. You say, oh, but Claxton's this and Claxton's that and Evans can't. I'm going to tell you what it is. It is a prime, fertile location for the Lord to save sinners. Amen? You know that's why we're going to do this basketball thing? Do you know that's why we have Sunday school? Do you know that's why we do everything we do? Because it all begins and ends with Jesus. Seeing we're so compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, beginning and end. Looking. Church, right now, this ought to be our prayer. Lord, let me look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on his throne at the right hand of the throne of God. Everything. Yeah, but but everything. But you don't know. Everything begins and ends with Jesus. So as we have this time, of invitation, may it also be a time of dedication.
that you know heading into the new year, you're right where God wants you to be. That everything in your life, your, your, your communication, your witness, when your parents don't know and they don't see, when you're at work, there's a, not a difference. Jesus is there. That everything you do begins and ends with Jesus. So that on that day, whether it's in 2018 or 2058 or whenever it is, when we meet him, We'll hear the words, well done. Come to Jesus, stand and come.